Empire. Technology thrives in sports you'd least expect it to. We have our own 24-hour uh, channel, fast channel that we've launched in addition to our OTT platform and, and social media. So we're really embracing all the different channels to, to get our content out there. Um, and I know that's made us successful and, and a lot of other niche sports are out there trying to emulate that right now. That's Stacy Moore, founder of the American Cornhole League, where the niche sport is growing by leaps and bounds. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. How do you turn a tailgate backyard game that everyone plays into a legitimate professional sporting event? Stacey Moore, a repeat guest here, has tackled that. And watch the American Cornhole League grow into sticky content with multiple streams of revenue that does, believe it or not, rely at times on new technology. Our guest this week is the founder of the American Cornhole League, Stacy Moore, who is a repeat guest, but it's been a few years, Stacy. so it's great to catch up with you. Thank you for coming on today. I appreciate you having me back. Um, this technology podcast, this is also a game that I personally love and play with my friends and kids, and I don't think of technology, but I have a feeling there's more to it um, than would meet the eye. Can we start there with technological advancements in cornhole yeah so we definitely embrace technology and it's an important part of our platform uh, we actually developed all of our own technology to uh, power our league everything from uh, the brackets that we use to our point system uh, to the database to our own wallet functionality that we have uh, all the scores and stats uh, we develop all that in-house. Um, okay, so tell me a little bit um, about analytics of the game. Do you guys delve into that at all, and is that of something that will be of interest for participants down the road? Yeah, so analytics are, are, are obviously key. Um, uh, you know, our, our most common statistic out there is, is points per round. Uh, a lot of players measure um their skill level by their average points per round similar to you know what a batting average would be and so our software is able to track each individual bag that a player throws to to know whether that bag is on the board or in the hole um you know maximum number of points a player can get per round is 12 um and you'll see a lot of our pros throwing a uh 10 plus points per round these days which means if they throw three bags in the hole and, and one on the board, their PPR is actually going down and not up. Let's talk about the league's growth just in general at this point. Um, from where it was a few years ago to all of the exposure that you're getting on places like ESPN, and we can talk about a number of the events that you're doing with celebrities and teams, etc. How would you describe the last few years of growth for Cornhole? Oh, it's been amazing. We've, we've continued to to be on a, on a, on a high growth, uh, path. Um, I believe since we, we last talked, we, we made our, our super hole event. That was probably a, a one-time event. I believe when we first talked and now it's a, 
it's a full-blown series with, with eight events plus a championship event. So uh, nine total celebrity events that we're doing now in the season. And our ACL teams and how we've launched ACL teams has been a been a major uh, major growth avenue for us as well in our three-year contract with CBS uh, around ACL teams has been awesome. Okay. Um, let's talk about marketing and exposure. How do you view that and, and how do you think about that when you're running a game that a lot of people play, but there clearly is a professional level to it? Yeah, so that's one of our one of our blessings and one of our curses, right? That everyone, everyone seems to know about Cornell. Most people have picked up a bag at some point in time. Um, first, when they think of Cornhole, they think of it as a tailgating game, which is great. We always love it when, when people just have fun tailgating and playing Cornhole. And it's a, it's a great recreational sport in that way. Um, convincing them that uh, it's a professional sport means that you know, we have to show people on television playing it at the highest level and being able to, to explain and uh, and demonstrate the the skill level that it takes to, to become an actual pro, and I think that uh, what we do with our Super Bowl event with celebrities, um, and you see in the best of the best in, in, in their craft, whether it be an NFL player, an, an NBA player, a, a, a tennis player, doesn't matter who it is, they they get out there on the on the cornhole boards and they can get humbled by, by our pros pretty quickly. Yeah. And so I think uh, people being able to see that um, helps us. And then it also obviously helps us from a marketing standpoint, crossing over into other, other social networks. Um, we bring celebrities together um, from, from different parts. So it could be like the situation from the Jersey shore and we've got uh, Jay Cutler or, you know, we just got done with, with an event with four uh, current Buffalo Bills players. Uh, but being able to to spread our support through their social networks has, has been pretty powerful for us over the past couple of years. I mean, obviously you mentioned tailgating is part of where the game could be played. I've played it on the beach, you know, with friends and family. It can just be in your backyard and it can be like what you do professionally in controlled environments in, you know, stadium-esque settings. Um, how do you view marketing your sport where it could be played competitively in so many different ways? We, we definitely enjoy playing at the professional level in, in a controlled environment, but we will do a, do some outdoor um, events. Uh, the wind and the elements always kind of keep it interesting to the players. And we actually have competitive you know, leagues for all different levels of play. So whether you're a beginner and a recreational player, up to being a pro, uh, we have leagues and, and tournaments around the country um, and now around the world um, so that anyone can play, anyone can win. Um, we like to set up competitions that, that, uh, that put people on, on equal footing. So, so if you're an if, if intermediate player, we, we want to set up a, a competitive environment where, where you can still play competitively against other uh, intermediate players in a fair situation. Okay. Um, let's talk about just in general, and, and we've kind of broached this a little bit, which is um, there's been a lot of growth of this sport for a lot of different reasons. Um, there has been a lot of growth of a lot of different niche sports, if, if that's a fair word to use here. Um, what have you seen just in general with social media, television access, et cetera, that maybe has allowed for a sport like cornhole to carve a place out and grow. 
yeah, there's there's no doubt that the the access to content and and how easy it is uh, these days. If if you can find the right channel of distribution, or or be able to put multiple channels of, of distribution together, you can you can develop a, a, a fairly wide and attractive audience um, pretty quickly. Um, I feel like something that separates us from from other sports is the fact that you know we do we do have two different linear television contracts with major networks, CBS and ESPN. Um, I think that that puts us in a very unique position. Um, we have our own 24-hour uh, channel, fast channel that we've launched in addition to our OTT platform and, and social media. So we're really embracing all the different channels to, to get our content out there. Um, and I know that's made us successful and, and a lot of other niche sports are out there trying to emulate that right now. Um, in a modern media environment, and I guess we'll talk specifically about your sport, what works for you and are you surprised by which platform is the one that's reaching the most new viewers? Yeah. So definitely our, uh, you know, our OTT platform, um, and the distribution of our 24 hour channel, uh, getting more viewers onto that is, is, is a high priority for us. And we actually, you know, we, we will have more viewers on an OTT stream, uh, sometimes than we will have on a, on our ESPN or, or CBS broadcast. Um, so we've definitely seen our numbers significantly increase there over the past few years. And, and, and we expect that to continue. Um, however, I, I do believe there is, there is something that's, that's, uh, still highly valuable about being on, on linear television and on those big networks that even if the, the viewers from a number standpoint, uh, are shifting, um, it's still incredibly important for sponsors. And I think the value of those, of, of those eyeballs seem to be on a, on a CPM basis and things like that, still more valuable on, on linear television than on digital. Were you surprised that you at times will get more viewers on an OTT than on a massive distribution platform like ESPN or CBS? Yes, definitely. Um, at first, now, obviously, the, the the more that I've learned about things like how viewers are counted and uh, and and the duration of of viewership, I think is is another important stat that that I think people need to to look at when when judging the the value of the audience. Um, we've been told that that we have an extremely sticky broadcast, so a lot of times people will 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 tune into it instead of just staying for for five minutes or so they get sucked in and, and end up staying for, for most, if not all of the, all of the hour or two hour telecast that we're doing. Uh, so that's a really strong sign for us and, and, and something that we look at and want to continue to try to, to grow that, that not only the number of viewers, but really the duration that they're viewing us and engaging with. I would assume that um, equipment is a big part of your business model as well. Are, are you building boards, selling bags, uh, any kind of gear? Like, how how are you viewing that in the sport of cornhole? Yeah, definitely. We we, we leverage our uh, we leverage our, our our platform to to certainly sell products. We want people to know that uh, unless you're buying a product with with an ACL stamp, you're you're, you're not, you know, you might be misled by marketing of, of a lot of companies that aren't an officially licensed partner with us. 
So we have created a very strong licensing program around the equipment and apparel that uh, that we expect to continue to grow and be an important part of our of our future revenue growth. Okay, tell me a little bit about, I mean, you'd mentioned um, some of the celebrity things like the situation for the Jersey Shore. I know you recently did an event uh, with the Buffalo Bills. I know there's a number of athletes that are obviously interested in in being part of this. And you'd mentioned some of the ex-athletes part of your events. Um, what do you have coming with that? And, and do you believe that that type of crossover uh, with those athletes or entertainers is a big part of the model of growth for Cornhole? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a huge part, and I think it, it helps uh, legitimize us as, as a sport. And, you know, all sports are also an, an entertainment property at the end of the day. And so I believe that we've done a great job improving our, our Super whole production overall uh, with our celebrities to make it a, a fun show for people to come out and watch, whether it's on TV or in, or in person, and, and, and engage with us. Um, like I said, bringing different types of of celebrities together. Um, a lot of these celebrities may not have ever met each other otherwise. We've definitely have heard that uh, after bringing some of these celebrities in our events, they've they've continued to be friends. Um, now that we've been doing this for several years, we've we've kept in touch with with pretty much everyone that has played in in one of our Super Bowl events and. They've been suggesting to you know their friends that hey, if you want an awesome experience, come out and play with the ACL. Uh, it's it's a it's a really awesome opportunity. So if you get an opportunity to do it, you should take advantage of it. Uh, and so seeing that continue to build, and the more momentum that we're getting, and the demand that we're now getting from people that are you know wanting to play in our Super Bowl event has been amazing. Um, and so I think that that helps legitimize us within the entertainment community and then again like i mentioned before to be able to leverage uh their media platforms um what they're doing content wise um kind of really drives up our uh our numbers at the end of the day um you've used the word legitimize a couple times um did you was that something that was hard to attain at first with cornhole yeah, I think I think trying to legitimize it as a sport. I mean, I, th- I think that's one of my everyday fights. Still, um, you know, I, I, I still feel like um, you know, a lot of people. Their first reaction to cornhole is not as a professional sport, right? Um, when someone says football or, or the NFL, you know, they think of professional football. Yeah. Or the NBA, they think of professional basketball. Um, you know, ACL, you need to think of professional cornhole and, uh, cornhole is a professional sport and it deserves to be in the same conversation as all these other professional sports out there. You know, I feel like our, our, our numbers have shown it. Um, and then these other professional athletes that see the skill level of our professional athletes have, have a level of respect where now, you know, they're when, as they go around and talk about it, right, they, they help us legitimize and convince other people that maybe like, Oh, I can do that. Like, yeah, you think you can do that until you go out and try to do it against the best of the best. Yeah. Cause, cause they've tried to do it and, and, and they've seen it and they know how much effort it takes and, and how difficult it is to, to really master and become a professional at that level. I mean, it's interesting. Why do you think it takes convincing a lot of people go bowling and 
but people recognize there's a professional bowling tour and a lot of people play darts and people recognize there are people that are professionals at playing darts. Like, what do you think it is about cornhole that took some time for people to kind of get that there might be an upper echelon of this? I think, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, sometimes I have to think back to it and realize we're still really early on in the game. We're, you know, we're in our seventh year. Um, you know, bowling has been a professional sport for what, 30 or 40 years. Yeah. Maybe, maybe longer. Um, darts has certainly been professionalized over, over in Europe, um, you know, longer than, than, than we've been around. So, um, I, I, you know, I feel like that we've made a lot of advances. Uh, so I don't want to seem like that, that there's not a lot of people out there that, yeah. that don't feel like cornhole is a legitimate sport, but you know, like I said, it just, just in my mind and the way that I'm approaching it, I'm, I'm assuming that there's still a ton of people out there that, uh, that are yet to know about us and are yet to look at us as a legitimate sport. So I'm aggressively still pursuing that, that mission to convince everyone I can that, uh, like cornhole's a professional sport. And I think this probably does go a little bit back towards how you want the sport portrayed. Um, like, obviously, like, we've already talked about some of these things. Like, everybody can play it. I know a ton of people who do. In fact, most of the people I know do. But it's in a very casual environment, whether it's in a tailgate or at the beach or in your backyard. People might be drinking when they're playing. It's just a fun sport. It's not perceived at that moment as something extremely competitive. Are you trying right. to embrace that and say, hey, we're we're fun and you take part of this? Or are you trying to delineate a separation and say there is a serious level to this and we want to be taken that way? So we definitely want to delineate and let people know there's a serious level to it. There's a professional level to it. And we also want to embrace the fact that it is a fun and casual game. Like, you know, I go out and I play golf and I'm an 18, 20 handicapper and, you know, I want to. I want to drink a six pack of beer when I'm out on the golf course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I certainly appreciate the fact that golf is a professional sport and I'm never going to be at that level, but yet I want to go out and I want to buy the, you know, the golf balls or golf clubs that these professional golf golfers are using. And so, um, you know, that's what we want to happen at the recreational level for our sport is realize that, Hey, you know, these guys are playing with top tier equipment, endorsed by the ACL, the ACL set the professional standard is the professional standard for the sport. And, uh, you know, whether we're playing at the beach or we're playing at that tailgate, we want to play with that equipment. And when, when we make our airmail, we want to call out, you know, Jamie Graham or Matt Guy's name, just as you would call out, you know, Michael Jordan's name if you're hitting a three pointer in your backyard. Right. <laughs> That's, uh, you know, that's what we're hoping to get to. All right. Last thing um, you had mentioned that the, that your broadcasts are perceived as very sticky. You could probably see that in the analytics of how long people are watching. Um, what do you think it is about it? What, what is, what are you guys getting right about keeping viewers for longer period periods of time? Yeah, I think that we're fortunate in that uh, the, the natural cadence of our, of, of our game, um, and how it can build and how the intensity can build throughout a game is uh, kind of a natural advantage that we have. Uh, so people can, can relate to it in that way and they just kind of get sucked in and they find a person that they want to cheer for. Um, 
And with, within a broadcast, we're playing, we're playing multiple games. Or we're playing a mini bracket. So, you know, normally in the two-hour show, uh, we'll show the semifinals and finals of our, uh, say, singles event or, or our doubles event. And so people are able to kind of follow along a condensed version of a, of a March Madness bracket in a, in a two-hour window. You know, when we do our Celebrity Super Bowl in, in a round-limit format, we actually start at the quarterfinal level and play down to the finals. So if you start watching at the quarterfinal level and you see, you know, Jay Cutler win and you're a Jay Cutler fan, you're staying tuned in to, to see how he does the rest of the tournament. Stacy Moore is the founder of the American Cornhole League. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it, Bram. On the next Future Sport Podcast, breathing is the key to performing under stress. Last year at the PGA show, we introduced the NeuroPeak Pro Intel Belt. And what that is, is a precision breathing training device. Essentially, it helps visualize what an individual's physical respiration patterns look like, but also shows how their physiology is responding in real time. That's Andy Matthews, the director of performance at NeuroPeak Pro, who used his professional golfing experience to help train the current pros into methods that help them overcome stress and become more clutch. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.